Hello and welcome to the Fleet Meet video series that compares and contrasts fleet developments in both the European and North American fleet markets. I'm Mike Antich, editor of Automotive Fleet Magazine, and my co-host today is Hans Damon, who is a principal partner for Fleet 360. And today we'd like to explore the implications of the widespread adoption of ADAS, which is Advanced Driver Assistance Systems, um, and how this technology is permeating throughout the vehicle lineups and what are the implications that fleet managers may be facing. So with that, I'd like to turn it over to you, uh, Hans, and maybe you can start off the discussion. What's your perspective? Yeah, sure. So, um, hi, Mark. No, uh, thanks for uh, for the warm welcome. And uh, indeed, yes, ADAS is uh, something that is clearly top of mind for many fleet managers for various reasons. But um, what I already experienced talking to our customers about the ADAS system is what's the definition of ADAS system. And not everybody has that same perception, but ADAS systems go as far as parking sensors all the way up to bringing us to the technical advanced solutions that would allow autonomous driving. Um, so that does include uh, adaptive, adaptive cruise control, but even uh, anti-lock brakes or forward collision warnings, etc. Traffic signal recognition, um, uh, lane departure warning, a very important one where many accidents happen. So there's a lot out there and, um, and, and it comes with pluses and minuses. And I think that would be a good topic for us to explore today. What, what the experience is there both in the US and in Europe where there are pros and cons and, and, and to line these up. So perhaps over to you, Mike, and, and understand what, what the recent experiences are in, in the US. Yeah, I think the biggest concern is that with the adoption of new technology in fleet vehicles, is that there could be an over-reliance on drivers uh, on this technology, and they become lax in practicing good driving habits. So that's one issue. The other issue is that this transition to ADAS is happening dramatically. You know, when you think of a, a basic safety feature such as seat belts, uh, you know, that took close to 100 years from the time of the invention of a seat belt to the actual time that it became mandated for all vehicles. You know, with ADAS, this is going to be happening, you know, within the next two or three generations of automobiles that start coming out where it's going to be widespread throughout um, all of the vehicles. So yeah. I think the, the biggest concern is the fact um, that uh, there's been some negative um, uh, publicity. You cited Tesla. The Tesla autopilot's been involved in, in several um, uh, accidents that allegedly have been as a result of um, the use of the autopilot. So that's something that the industry is trying to build beyond in terms of um, you know the safety record of these uh, devices. So, you know, I... I think the biggest problem is that, you know, we're not telling drivers the limitations that are involved in the use mm. of these uh, technologies. And, and is the same thing happening in Europe? No, very true. Um, our biggest concern um, is that uh, ADA systems currently are perceived as a replacement of a driver safety program. They're not. A driver's safety program is about, you know, repeating and repeating responsibilities, the dangers of driving, not focused and so on. And ADAS might make people uh, uh, complacent. They might think, OK, the car really does take over and I'm good to go and I can do something in between. 
but that's not the case. It's a, it's a good way to help people, uh, to support people. Of course, the, the, the focus of the car is, uh, has, no, um, has no time limit on it, you know, where we are advised to at least stop every two hours. You know, the computer of the car can keep on going because it just deals with ones and zeros and there is no emotion involved, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the, the thing, however, is, is that, you know, the systems do have their, their limitations. Um, you see this with the, the phantom braking that sometimes happen, which could not perhaps cause a, a problem in front of you, but can cause a problem behind you, where mm -hmm. when you make an emergency stop, uh, people behind you even have to brake uh, harsher. Um, or the other thing is, is that when road construction is going on, and, and then the lines on the road and so on become less clear and, and the car starts to follow a line that they should not be following because they have been replaced with temporary lines and they run into other cars without the cars thinking anything is going wrong. Uh, but it's not. It's that the, the human uh, intelligence should have taken over rather than just fully rely on on technology. So so that is something that, that we need to repeat. And, and another challenge is, is that certainly in this time where there's such a shortage of supply, you know, uh, it's it, it it's pushed into more towards a more expensive vehicle because for smaller mm -hmm. vehicles, putting in all those ADA solutions might really price them out of the bracket that they should be operating in price wise. Is is that the same in in the US? Do is this Absolutely. applicable to all cars or a certain number of cars? Absolutely, it it will raise um you know the the, the additional equipment will raise the um, initial acquisition costs on a vehicle you know mm -hmm. in addition you'll have additional maintenance expenses because when you have um what are normal fender benders or or let's say a cracked windshield that requires now installing components that have these additional sensors in them so that's one sure. additional cost and then secondarily when the minute you go and change anything in terms of an ADAS system it requires recalibration that's mm -hmm. uh, so that's the key thing so the it is putting upward pressure in terms of overall costs but you know how do you quantify that I mean if you're saving lives and so on but the biggest problem I think with uh, with ADAS system is that there's not any sort of training that goes into this. Um, you know, I was listening to another um, uh, podcast uh, by a group called um, uh, Fleet or Safety Geeks. Safety Geeks, and, yeah. And uh, you know, it, it's an ex. It was excellent. And you mm -hmm. know, one of the guests um, was uh, Roman Furster. He's mm -hmm. uh, president and CEO of um, RG Auto, and they make mm -hmm. aftermarket uh ADAS equipment for for vehicles and one of the things that he mentioned which was really kind of revealing was when he went to pick up his new car they taught him all the the uh the functions within it even you know how you go about laying the third row seats flat in order to expand your cargo space but there was no explanation at all on how any of the ADAS equipment works yeah. and and it kind of reminds me of you know historically we've we've had some experience with this there's some precedents back in the in the 1980s 1990s when uh anti-lock brakes were introduced everyone thought that that was going to be reducing the accidents but initially just the opposite happened you know mm -hmm. accidents actually increased uh, uh, because drivers were pushing the vehicles to the limit and they thought that the abs would then kind of protect them from these issues sure. same thing i i think you know needs to be cautioned in terms of you know adas equipment people just need to have a better understanding a better training you know one example i, I in that same podcast um uh the co-host um phil mosher was saying the first time that he experienced um 
you know, a vehicle with eight ass was in the lane departure. And, you yeah. know, he, he started feeling that vibration. He thought he was having a flat tire. Yeah. Yeah. And and no one had really explained that earlier. So I think that's one of the um, challenges and call to action for fleets is they need to do a better job in training their drivers, especially drivers that are driving an ADAS equipped vehicle for the very first time. They need to be aware of what the limitations are, what's available to them there, and um, so they can better protect themselves. No, for, very true. The, the other element um, that we have experienced here in Europe also is that people tend to switch them off again. So as soon as they start driving, they, they feel it's annoying to have this vibration in the steering wheel or to have the beep or, or whatever warning that you might have. Uh, and, and very often, if they're really annoyed by all those beeps, they should really question their driving behavior because their beeps are there for a reason. Um, but, but people tend to do that is to switch them off. Um, good thing, let's say, with the ANCAP system and, and vehicles being registered with certain ADAS equipment on, the default setting in the software will always be at startup that all these systems which are activated. Uh, it's a bit unfortunate that some very important features can still be disabled in the software, sometimes a bit more complicated to get to, but, you know, most drivers that are, let's say, on a, on a vengeance to uh, to switch them off will be able to to, to switch them off. So indeed, that is that is another risk. It's uh, it, it it is something that uh, technology should be supported with common sense communication programs from the employer to the drivers and and even tell them in their car policy and or in their code of conduct to say we don't expect you to switch them off because these systems are there for for a reason. Uh, perhaps they're not perfect yet, uh, but at least they are a good let's say co-driver uh, to help you avoid risk or mitigate risk uh, on your behalf and those of the people around you in other vehicles. Well, it's very true. The same thing is happening here, in especially in terms of uh, blind spot monitoring and also lane departure. There are too many false uh, false alarms that come out of this that, that start to annoy drivers, especially if they're in congested, heavy traffic, and a lot of them just simply turn it off. So, you know, that needs to be addressed in fleet policy, and, and, and fleet managers need to be aware of that and... Um, and ensure that uh, people aren't defeating the purpose. There's a reason that the company invested that money in that type of technology. Yeah, and you also mentioned, Mike, if, if we have time, uh, we also mentioned, you know, the cost of it. It's not only the investment, but, you know, we have seen companies in the past where they said, we will stop using parking sensors because replacing just the front bumper without the sensors after a little uh, fender bender is cheaper than to have them replace one with the sensors because typically people continue to hit those uh, vendors anyway. So why make it more expensive and having the sensors in? Uh, this will be a bit more complicated with ADAS, but you know, it's an analysis that needs to be made because with, uh, with a front collision, you have to replace the radar or LIDAR or whatever needs to replace that can be extremely costly. It's very, very true. So not only do you have higher acquisition expenses, higher maintenance expenses, but also higher accident management expenses. But again, what is the, the consequence of mm -hmm. ADAS systems is you'll save lives. And that's that sure. should be a fleet manager's primary responsibility. But we need to address the fact that there are limitations to ADAS and we need mm -hmm. to do a better job in training our drivers on the use of ADAS equipment. But unfortunately, I'm, I'm gonna have to get the last word in because we've reached our time limit, uh, Hans. Yeah. And uh, great conversation. We just zipped right through this and, I, and there's just so much more to talk about on this topic. And perhaps we can revisit in a future episode. We certainly will. Thanks, Mike, for your time today. All right. Thank you.